This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by Skull Splitter Dice. Be the envy of your party with the best dice in the realms. Listeners like you, thanks for using the Tome's Amazon DM Skill affiliate links, and our wonderful patrons over at patreon.com slash Show. Welcome to The Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner. And I'm Stacey Hurley, and in this episode, number 327, we're going to talk about some stuff, but I can't tell you what it is yet, because the episode is about using secrets in your game. That's right, and joining us for this discussion uh, is a team of guests that totally don't have any secrets because they're all very forthright and righteous people with nothing to hide. Uh, and to get to know them all a little bit, we're going to ask them to to share a, a tale of the best secret reveal they've experienced in a game. So first up on our guest list is the master of secrets, Eric Paquette. What is the best secret reveal you've witnessed? Bonjour. Hello. Uh, best thing would probably be in my last session of my Time Watch campaign, where two secrets between two characters, uh, two player characters got revealed, where one of them was the founder of the Time Watch Agency, which also revealed that uh, she was responsible for giving the order for one of their rivals to to having killed another PC's family parents. But, But one thing that was also revealed in that is that uh, that PC was also supposed to have been died, killed off in that attack, but the person who committed saved her character. Right on. Next up is a guest known in the ether only as the Mysterious One. Welcome back, Robert Stoddard. What's your best secret reveal story? Oh, geez. Okay, so the best one probably happened at a LARP in which um, we had a bad guy who was uh, probably the most kitten-eating evil person you ever want. I mean, he was the the kind of person who you really, really love to hate. Uh, He was actually known as the undying hate. And um, the players chased him around and killed him. And that was all great. He had captured two of the townspeople's family members, and it was all horrible. And they knew some things about him. And it was sort of astounding that he had lived as long as he had, as many people wanted to kill him. Well, it turns out, oh, yeah, he's totally a body hopper. And later on, they found out in the course of a very long scene that... Um, the guy that uh, I think one of the most beloved townspeople thought was his father was actually the Undying Eight and had been puppeting his dad for about a year now and then uh, blew it in a scene that uh, resulted in him getting the crap beat out of him. <laughs> they didn't kill him, so he couldn't jump into another body. But they held him alive, found his phylactery, and gave it to the one person he couldn't get it back from, who was also one of the other major campaign villains. Mm. Excellent. Uh, yes, resulted in much drama for everyone. <laughs> good, a good, a good body swapping uh, secret works well in gaming. Oh yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> 
lastly, but not leastly, is a guest who has actually secretly been on every single episode of The Tome Show going back 37 years. Revealed at last because he's finally allowed to speak. It's the WebDM Grant Ellis. Welcome to the the next installment because you've been on every episode, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm the phantom menace of this operation. <laughs> I am the Senate. I promise I won't make any more Star Wars prequel jokes for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> Thank um, you. So, yes, tell us, tell us your uh, favorite secret reveal story. So I have two, but I'm going to tell you the one that happened at the table because the first one took 14 months to reveal and it was it was colossal. And that actually happened as prep. Um the secret that happened at the table that is very memorable and very impactful for me is I'd organized a game, a cipher system by Monty Cook Games, and I was using the setting The Dictionary of Moo by Judd Carlman, mm-hmm. which was originally designed for Sorcerer. And I had brought players together. None of them had played the system before. Uh, they were all playing together for the first time, and they were going to learn the game. They were going to learn the setting. And... Um, I brought in a special guest uh, to just come into one episode, but the rest of the players didn't know they were just going to be there for one episode. And um, what made it interesting for the players is they found out it was Matthew Mercer, the dungeon master of critical role. <laughs> and he just showed up as one of the players. And this is a broadcast. So there were several hundred viewers that came in because they thought Matthew was going to play. And um, there was also what I promised to it was a webcast so i was like oh pay no attention to the dud camera um we had set up the framework that all the players were uh, knights of the same order the order of the stars and they were going to uh march to the uh the pyramid of the empress impossible and they were going to uh perform a ritual leave a sacrifice and then continue on the adventure while solving the puzzles of the pyramid it was not to be it was all a feint. uh using a setting from sorcerer we what we wanted to do as players as i plotted with the other uh, that we were going to explore what it's like protecting someone you love that nobody else uh, possibly would. And we had a bait and switch. When we got to the Pyramid of the Empress Impossible, uh, the uh, beloved squire, Sebastian Pigwhistle, played by myself, uh, turned traitor. And uh, he betrayed the party. And he summoned the Prima Diavola, the Devil Prime. And I had uh, actually... Uh, uh, Kelly Butler, the opera geek, appear and reveal her camera with her fiery mm-hmm. red hair. She hadn't been on many broadcasts, and she started singing out in her operatic voice. Uh, and it was actually a ritual to kill the Order of the Knights of the Stars. What we had planned is Matthew would sacrifice his character in order to save his sisters, uh, but he failed in the sacrifice. So one of the sisters actually <laughs> gave up her soul to save his. And the secret was... This isn't a dungeon delving adventure. What it's going to be is you exploring your broken relationship as sisters who love each other but have gone through dramatic changes, um, which the players were totally hit for. Uh, And it was great. Matthew kept the secret in preparation for months. He had been sending them love letters. I was having him write narrative fiction and send it to them to really deepen the relationship. So when the time came and the reveal happened and the loss occurred – they were just jaw dropped and, you know, the carpet had been pulled out from under them. Uh, but the, to this day, uh, myself and those players have a special bond that we shared through that that initial secret reveal. So the plan was that, that Matthew's character was going to die and then he didn't. Uh, he ended up dying, but he okay. did not lose his soul to the devil. I see. I see. <laughs> Very good. Excellent. Uh, Tracy, did you want to share any any secret reveals or do you want to keep them secret? I don't know if I've had any on the tabletop game, but one of the best 
um, I'll call it a video game, a computer game uh, reveal. I, I don't want to spoil it, but her story has a really good one. Okay. I can I can I can spoil it, but I just want to make sure. Is <laughs> aware that it's coming. Yeah, well, because the cool thing about the game is that um, you play through, and you sometimes get stuff out of order, and you have to try to guess from basically these video clips, which are um, over time a series of interviews with uh, a person involved. I believe it was in a disappearance, who may have information about disappearance, and. I, I, I can't spoil it. I, it's just, it's so good that I, okay. I don't want to spoil it, but it's, it, I thought it was really good. Very good. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Uh, I, I can tell two, two tales. Uh, one from the player perspective, I played in a, a long time ago in back in the, in the 3.0 days of yore, I played in a, re, I think it was return to the temple of elemental evil, or maybe it was the tomb, uh, tomb of horrors. It was the tomb of horrors, uh, campaign, uh, by on play by post. And we had been playing for years, and one of the characters was playing this this fun-loving, scholarly, uh, professorial gnome illusionist uh, who was part of a circus that was, you know, destroyed, and, and he was the lone survivor and joined the party and whatever. Uh, and we went through the the whole like campaign up to the point that uh, we all almost completely had a TPK, and everybody died except for. This gnome illusionist, the fun-loving, uh, you know, comic relief character, and then all of a sudden, uh, he and the DM had their their lone scene of of him, you know, getting away and surviving and what have you, where we wherein we found out that he was this horrible, uh, evil villain the whole time. He was responsible for the death of his circus, and he'd been sort of manipulating everything and putting on this persona for years, and none of none of us had, so far as I know, none of us had a single clue that 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 was going on until it was too late right that was one of those moments that blew my mind and then as a as a dm recently i actually had one in my in the the final campaign i had when i lived in north carolina um wherein one of the players started the game he wanted to do uh, a warlock with uh, a pact of the undying from um sword coast adventures guide and so the idea is that there's some sort of um, undying, undead sort of entity that, that sponsors uh, his character's rise to power. And what I decided at that moment was that this undying character was actually himself time traveled back in time, became undead in order to become his own mentor, his own patron. Uh, and I just wasn't sure how I was going to get there yet. But but eventually it all came up. Uh, and, and after like two and a half years of playing in this campaign, in this final scene, uh, his character was was ripped through a rift in, in time and sent uh, hurtling back. Uh, and and the, the patron shows up and reveals himself as just being the exact same character and then goes off to finally be free because now he can do whatever he wants because his fate is no longer written. Um, that was a fun little reveal. I enjoyed weaving that all together. So, Awesome. Uh, and in case people haven't guessed by now, this episode was inspired by the recently released adventure Descent into Avernus, uh, which introduces this concept uh, for character creation called Dark Secret. The party forges together this secret bad thing that they were all involved in before the story starts in the game from their point of view. And so it's an interesting idea. Um, and secrets can be used like this in, in many other ways, so we're going to discuss some of them now. 
But first, a word from our sponsor, SchoolSplitterDice.com. They make fantastic dice for D&D, and they shared some of their wares with some of our regulars. Um, who here has gotten some of the dice? I have some of their dice. Um, I actually, one of the dice sets that I picked up, I picked up, they, they sell bundles of dice as well. And so I picked up a bundle. Um, it is, uh, I forget the name of it off the top of my head now, but if you look at it, uh, look at their bundles, they have one that, that has, is pictured with like a really cool looking skull. The skull is not part of the bundle, uh, but it's a really cool set of dice. It comes with uh, a couple of sets, uh, a couple of their metal D20s, but then it's also like this, this other, like it's got the, um, the plastic set that looks like it's sort of worn bone. And then they've got one that looks like it's sort of corroded or rusted metal. And one that's like sort of got this patina look to it. And uh, so it's sort of the, this acrid sort of worn uh, set of dice. Uh, and they're, they're really interesting and in, in, in ways that a lot of times dice aren't right. It's not just a, a pretty color or whatever. It's made to look like something else without having to spend all the money to actually be something else. And you get a whole set of them that way, and, and that's what I ended up doing. And it's, I've really enjoyed having them. Awesome. Uh, so if any of you would like to get some dice, if you go to skullsplitterdice.com slash Tomeshow, you'll see the coupon code Tomeshow will give you an extra 15% off. Look, mate. Three generations ago, my ancestors forged the Great Blade Skull Splitter. With it, they won the Goblin Wars, the Hobgoblin Wars, the Orc Wars, the Demon Wars, the Elf Wars, and the Gelatinous Cube Wars. And that one doesn't even make sense, because they don't have skulls. Now, all these years later, the legend of the Great Skull Splitter grows. Offering dice to help you create your own legends, Skull Splitter Dice makes the highest quality dice beautiful dice of both plastic and metal. Want to roll bones that look like bones? or just something with enough heft to split the skulls of your enemies, Skull Splitter Dice has that and more. Check them out now at SkullSplitterDice.com slash Tomeshow and use the coupon code Tomeshow with all little letters and get 15% off. Now get out there, split some skulls, and build some legends. All right. So, uh, we are back and we're ready to talk about secrets. Um, let's start off by asking the question, like, when we talk about having secrets in our games, um, what are we talking about? Like, what sort of secrets might be um, infused into a game? And who would like to get us started? Ooh. I can give a start. Yeah. So, this is Grant, and... A secret might be hidden information about the setting that the game takes place. Um, there might be information about the world that is not common knowledge to the players or their characters. Okay, yeah, uh, and I, and that's a that's I don't and I want to say that would typically be like a DM secret, right? Yeah, that's how I'd frame it, and I can give an example. So I mentioned I had two secrets earlier um, as part of my prep. For the game Invisible Sun, um, I read setting information. It's a player-directed game, so the game master, dungeon master, uh, doesn't really have much to do other than to know the setting really well. I was reading some information about an order of uh, magicians, and I noticed there's a clock on the page. Uh, a hand of the clock is pointing to a number that's hidden in the page border, like it's hidden in the artwork. 
Hmm. And if you go through all the books and it's a four book set, you find that various clocks on various pages are pointing to numbers. Sometimes they're hidden in artworks and paintings. Sometimes they're very finely stitched into uh, the decorative border, the, the layout. And if you take all these numbers, and you arrange them in the orders that the clock's time is set. So you, you set them in the order of time. It creates a phone number, an 800 number. And when you call that 800 number, you get a recording of Monty Cook giving you secret information about the game, about the setting that nobody knows. And <laughs> it changes the fiction in the game state drastically. Uh, and then also there's a breadcrumb to another clue. Sometimes there's a secret website. You have to discern the URL through puzzles that are hidden in the game page books. But the reason for this is it helps keep the uh, game master engaged by having all these very deep secrets and hidden secrets. So it really adds a lot of longevity because you play the game, you play the game for a while. I played it for about 14 months. And then it reveals yet another, you know, oh, by the way, this is also true in your game world. Did you know that? And a lot of times it'll tell you, it's like, now that you know this, you can use this. So that's an unusual situation, right? Because normally if there's a setting secret, it's the DM who knows the secret and decides how or if to reveal it to the players. This is a situation where um, clever old Monty Cook and his team have figured out how to reveal secrets to the DM as well um, as as they're engaging more and more in the game. And there's a variety. Sometimes it, you know, it, it, tricks you into uh, sending an email to a strange email address. It responds back with a PDF that you're supposed to print out and lay over your game book, and it will reveal hidden ciphers within the text of the page. It's very elaborate, very complicated, <laughs> very sophisticated, and a lot of people have seen the hand statue associated with that game, mm-hmm. but there's secrets even hidden in that statue. Wow. It feels a lot like some of those uh, secret puzzle video games, um, like Gone Home is one that I'm thinking of right now where you have to find a bunch of information and figure out how to put it together. But now instead of it just being in the computer game, it's in real life. All right. Or it's a little, it's a little bit like a, like an escape room in a game box, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or a mysterious package company meets, you know, mm-hmm. Planescape Torment was really good at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, now that's, unless you're going to play that game or you've got a game designer who's who's designed um, that sort of a setup, which I imagine is rare and time-consuming and difficult for them to put together, right? Um, you, you, but you, we came into this by talking about sort of the way that there might be secrets about the setting that typically would be in the hands of the game master or the dungeon master, right? Um so how does that work? Or or does it have to be in the hands of the dungeon master? Or could it be a player who who has this setting secret that nobody knows? So um my opinion generally is that the if you are playing a DM a DM'd game, the DM is presenting the setting, the players are running the story in it. Um if you're playing something like 13th Age, it's absolutely the player can have a setting secret, probably their one unique thing. Now, the DM has to know so that they can add content around it that leads to that secret. Because, um, I mean, I figure the reason why we started with, hey, what a cool secret reveals is that secrets become interesting once they're revealed. Right. Before they're revealed, um, 
unless you know, hey, there's a secret and it's actually a mystery, then it's like Damon Lundelhoff. Okay, they have a dark secret. It never becomes visible. Mm -hmm. So it never actually informs anything that you're, any of the ways you're interacting with the media. Um, Okay. But yeah. So we've got this this idea of, of a DM has a, a setting secret. It might be a player has a setting secret but has worked it out with the DM. Um, what other kinds of secrets might exist in a game then, other than setting secrets? Well, a player could have for their characters, which sort of ties with a setting secret, but with their family history and all that, could have a secret that they're holding that are re- going to be revealing and later on in the campaign, and they could lay in some clues. So it ties a bit in the setting secret, but it's only the player for their character and mm-hmm. the, the extended family that they have. Yeah, and I think that kind of um, starts getting to to this. It can, I think there can be a broader sort of character secret, right? And and that's the kind of secret that players. Um, connect to or oftentimes in, uh, get involved in. Although a DM could certainly have character secrets from a... because they control all these NPCs in the world as well, right? Well, yes. Also, uh, uh, so, this is another LARP one, but when Ben and I were running Dust to Dust, uh, we had a race called The Returned, who were all heroes from uh, thousands of years ago. Most of them didn't remember their lives in the entirety. They had bits and pieces, but they didn't have the whole story. So in that kind of circumstance, plot or the DM can actually have secrets about the player that they don't themselves know about their own history. Now that requires an awful lot of trust, Mm -hmm. but um, on the other hand, to Planescape Torment again, that's kind of what's going on with the nameless one. So if you're if you're here for it, it can be really really cool. And if you have that kind of relationship with your game runner, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think uh, you know the inspiration for this discussion was the their recently released uh, Descent into Avernus uh, and their their use of this dark secret. And I think that's a whole different ball of wax, right? Because it's a it's a group secret, so the whole group is in on it. But so is the DM. So who's it a secret from? Well, it's a secret from other characters in the fiction, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a fictional secret. It takes place in the game world. It's not meta, right? So right. it's a secret from, from non-player characters. Absolutely. And I think that points out that... that there's different ways of handling these secrets at the table, right? Whether they're secrets at, on a meta level outside of the game uh, or not, they can still be secrets inside the game. So one of the things I noticed when I was reading those is that a lot of them, they're not exactly secrets. Because for some of them, your face is plastered all over the city. Mm. It's more like um, we have a con- uh, another concept of uh, hunted wanted. It's like... It's mm-hmm. a trouble or a problem, and it's recent rather than the rather than in the past. It can be a secret or a secret from some NPCs in the setting, and you, there's always at least one important NPC who, I guess, knows all the details. But um, I thought it was 
kind of brilliant in that it gives you a sort of sidelong bit of plot pressure from the very beginning. But I did wonder if secret was exactly the right terminology for what they're doing without undermining what they're doing. And that's interesting. And Watsi certainly has uh, occasional issues with that. Like, uh, for example, Dragon Heist, which is not a heist story. You know, um, it's an investigation. Uh, you know, is the dark secret really a secret or is it just sort of a, a background sin that they're all dealing with or what have you? Um, yeah, here's an example of a player secret that is mechanical to the game and has impact on play. So uh, Story Brewers has a game called Good Society, which is known as the Jane Austen role-playing game. And in prep for that game, you build play sets where you're going to have different cards that you deal out to players. One of the cards is a secret card called the Desire card. And you as a player are going to take the Desire card. There's going to be a Jane Austen quote on the back of the card that everyone can read. Then on the front of the card, it's going to tell you kind of your secret motivation for play, such as convincing your parent to accept you as their legitimate child or to receive two marriage proposals during play and accept one of them. Now, you're not supposed to reveal these secrets during play, mm -hmm. but they help uh, motivate your actions as a character. So uh, you'll notice when you play the game, people put themselves in really tough spots. But the game rewards them mechanically with experience points and other abilities. If they play towards those secret desires, they score the points for the end of the game. That's a that, yeah, that's a that's an interesting system as well, where you're you're encouraging the secret and um, providing mechanical benefit for doing that. D and D doesn't inherently do that, but you could say there's some some. Um, some ways that you can in incorporate that sort of motivation, right? Mm -hmm. A good way to do that is if in one of your background details on your character sheet, one of either your ideal or personality trait or your flaw, it might be tied to secret information. And as you play for and lean on to that quality of your character, uh, the game asks the dungeon master to reward you with inspiration. Right. And, and ultimately, uh, uh, it sort of rewards everybody with what should hopefully be a fun and interesting dramatic moment. So, so we've talked about the types of secrets, and we've kind of started to to whittle into them a little bit. But uh, I want to I want to back up a, a, a touch and and ask a general question. So, actually, I want to ask two general questions. We're getting into into like some semantics and language issues here as well. Um, what's the difference between a secret and a mystery? I'm not sure I know that the answer. <laughs> I'm not sure I know the answer. So a um... A secret is revealed, but a mystery is solved. Does that help? Hmm. Maybe. Yes. Um... Well, <laughs> Rabbit, what'd you say? Well, Cain lives in one house, and Abel lives in the other one, and it's a really good comic, but no. Um, sorry if you've never read the... I'm sure everyone here has read the Sandman comics and the House of Secrets and House oh. of Mysteries thing but I think that that's a, a pretty good point a secret is revealed a mystery is solved um, a secret is something that you're actively trying to keep from other people um, to, to tip back into the Avernus thing the thing that I did like about it is that most of them are uh, 
here is something where the the party members are bound together because they are all trying to keep some part of the same information away from some number of NPCs out in the world. Mm. That's a really good reason to hang out together and stay together. So for somebody else, the secret they're protecting might be a mystery. But for them, they're actively trying to play keep away with the information. Mm. Uh, A mystery doesn't actually have to be actively guarded like that or protected. Um, A mystery can be just lying around somewhere waiting for somebody to figure out the answer. Or it can be something or forgotten that discover you piece it together really over happened. time. Yeah. Right. Uh, but a secret generally has to be kept in some way. Okay. And I think f- um, as we're talking about it, because of that active, like somebody actively trying to keep the secret piece to it, to me on a more emotional level, a, a secret feels more personal. Does that make sense? Or, or am I making that connotation up on my own? It's no, per- I agree with that. Yeah, it, it feels like it's more personal, at least to somebody. I think so. Yeah. I'm also thinking about um, in the D&D game that Brandis is running for us, my uh, my highest level character has a secret. Uh, it doesn't really affect the gameplay that much. It's, it just has to do with um, some personal things going on, but for various reasons is kind of kept it away from most of the players. So there's this subtext for me of, hmm, is this going to come out? Huh, this is a situation where this thing might come out. Hmm. Hmm. But it's not, there's not enough clues. And I guess that's the other thing. Uh, mysteries generally have clues. Uh, and there's not enough clues or anything for anyone to really know that there's something to explore or look into there. Mm. Um, and a mystery is pretty consciously a question that somebody has and wants to answer. But a secret can also just be hiding and nobody even knows <laughs> Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing to think about, and honestly, I'm not entirely sure that there's a bright line between the two. Sometimes there there's a bit of overlap, right? At least in my head. Um, but I thought it was worth, um, as we were splitting hairs earlier <laughs> in defining things as secrets or not. I thought that that question came to mind. Uh, so as we talk about the idea of incorporating secrets into our games, I'm curious um, why. Like, why would you, as a DM, or why would you, as a player, why why bother having secrets in your game? I think Grant wants to to share some ideas. I I unmuted. So um, to quote uh, Will Wright, who designed the game SimCity and The Sims and other games. He says that rather than reward someone mechanically with, say, a gun that does more damage or armor that offers more protection, a lot of times you can incentivize people to keep playing and they become more invested when they're rewarded with a a game secret. Uh, Something's revealed to them. And they actually talked about in SimCity how if you played for, I think, something like 500 hours, a Loch Ness monster head would come up out of the water. 
And, you know, that seems like a silly thing, but it starts showing up online where people are like, yeah, I, I thought I told this like weird lizard head come up out of the water. And it, it's just people started hunting that Loch Ness monster and became more involved and more invested because it was this, you know, it, first a mystery to go back to that term. Mm-hmm. And then they found out, oh, yeah, we put this in there that if you play for a thousand hours, there's a random chance the Loch Ness monster sticks its head out. You know, apply that to role playing games. You know, sometimes people, they they play for a, a long time and then. Uh, a major piece of fiction that they've always been chasing in the game. Uh, they find out, you know, they find out the answer to the mystery. It could be very personal to, the, to their character. It could be important to the setting. It could be important to the overall, say, quest or uh, adventure path they're playing. And then it should motivate the player to keep playing. Okay. And then I think just socially secret sharing is kind of a, a way to help glue people together. Um, you know, I sometimes it's bad and sometimes it's good, but it is something that helps us um, feel more connected to each other if, if we can feel comfortable sharing something that maybe we don't want everyone to know. And then that sort of, you know, is someone going to tell if, if we have a fight or something like that? It just it helps add interest to the world if otherwise if everyone always acted in in good ways might we might not get as much but it has low oftentimes but not always can be rather low impact because you have control over sometimes most of the time what secrets you share okay so 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 the the difference between um an adventuring party being a group of co-workers and being a group of friends is whether or not they're sharing their secrets is that what you're saying tracy um, a little bit of that and just like <laughs> knowing that you have these secret, like particularly mm-hmm. with the dark secret background, it's a way of starting a group together potentially mm. that's not just we met in a tavern and it's like we were all part of this attempt to overthrow the government and thus uh, we we have that connection with each other that we might not auto- already have otherwise. Right. That's a, that's a, the, that's the benefit of a, of that specific type of secret is that it's it's bringing the group together. It gives them a reason to be together and to stay together and to whatever. Um, and that's sort of you get the impression that's that's the purpose of or part of the purpose of the dark secret in Descent to Avernus. Right, and then like with more personal type secrets, you know, the um, oftentimes sharing them with someone else is conferring like communicating to them in a way that that you trust them Mm -hmm. um and that there's a bond there it helps reinforce that there is a bond between the two of you Mm -hmm. excellent i agree strongly with tracy there uh trust was sort of the watchword um building trust between between players and pcs it can often be very hard to get pcs to engage with each other and with each other's history, I think we've all played with um, uh, with somebody, or you know, or played this character ourselves. You know, the brooding person who's sitting in the back corner of the tavern, looking all mysterious and dark. And what you really want is someone to come find out while you're brooding and mysterious and dark. But other PCs have their own stuff going on. They mm-hmm. don't care. There's not really anything to draw them in. It's not a movie. Um, Having secrets or having reasons to share secrets with each other, one, gives me some sort of leverage over you. I now care about your character and their history because you've trusted me with a piece of who your character is that 
I could use to screw you over or help you. It depends. But we now have a bond, and that bond is interest. Mm -hmm. And we can role play together and interact on a deeper level. And it's not just, yeah, it's the difference between coworkers and friends. And um, I think it's a neat shortcut to it. Going along with that theme, in a game I play on Sunday that I played in for about two years, the game master and facilitator actually has a rule that there are no secret scenes played out and there are no character secrets in the game uh, that is hidden information. And part of that, if you think about it, if you're watching a movie and you get to see what the director invites you to see, um, you're able to sort of build this tension with each other and it takes a lot of trust and you have to not act on uh, the meta information you have as a player, mm. but you're able to really lean into the character almost more, but also respect people's lines and boundaries and help create really, really powerful scenes that you get to enjoy as a player because you know the full story. Um, and you can just really go in deep. I, I thought it was interesting when it first happened because I, I had been playing for over a year and I started to send uh, secret, hey, I want to do this while this is going on. Uh, it, the, the Game Master told me it wasn't a big deal, but uh, they had a very specific rule that there were no secret scenes. Now, I was I wanted to do little scenes that would set up big comedic reveals. Uh, and I was like, look, you know, I, I want everyone to start laughing. If they know what's coming, they're not going to laugh. And so we talked about it. But they also explained, they were like, well, this is very important because I used to play in lots of games where, uh, to, to kind of go back to what Rabbit said, there was no trust. Everyone sat brooding loners and no one knew anything about each other's characters. And they were like, well, you know, I, I wish people would engage with my elaborate, you know, deep character that I've created that apparently is a complete mystery to the entire world because it's been wrapped up so tight. Um, I, not every game uh, should necessarily be played with open secrets, but I've found it's very good to figure out player intentions to help um, everyone get the most enjoyment out of the game. Yeah, I think that's that's a, a great idea. Uh, Rabbit, you were saying something? Yeah, so the game Brandis runs have multiple characters uh, because of the way it's structured, but another character I have, um, it is sort of an open secret where the players all know, but few of the characters know. Uh, she has the acolyte background and used to be a priest, but was never a cleric. She's a fey-packed warlock, uh, but to society and in general, she's still sort of carrying out the functions and attitudes of a cleric or, or a priest. She just doesn't do any of that magic. I mean, some people have figured it out and some, and they mostly don't really care. It mostly matters when I interact with the world, but it's still a, uh, okay, yeah, I see what's going on with you. Well, I won't judge you too harshly if you don't judge the fact that I'm a spy for this crime lord over here. Okay, cool. Um, when it is an open secret like that, it also gives the other players, because the players think it's hilarious, uh, some leeway to set up comedic situations, kind of like that, mm -hmm. where my player has no idea that this is going on with you. But I can set up this really ironic scene that where... You would, you now have to act one way in this case. Oh, yeah, we're going to go to this temple. And oh, hey, I'll ask you, you're a priest in this uh, 
Priestly Scala, you can uh, you you can totally like do all the talking for us and do this thing. Yes, I can totally do that. Sure, <laughs> and hilarity ensues. Well, and and it's worth noting that we're talking uh, a lot about the the ways that you can construct really interesting scenes uh, through the use of open secrets, but I don't know that 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 means that open secrets are always a good idea. I've certainly been in and seen and actually been that that player in groups where um, you know there's an open secret that one of the characters has this shady thing going on, and now all of a sudden every time there's something kind of offhand that said you're like uh, can I get an insight check on that sort of thing you know because you know at a meta level this open secret it you you imply extra sort of suspicion um, on the part of your players and it's and it, or your characters and it's tough to it's tough to draw that line sometimes um, so so I th- I'd say open secrets are a really interesting way to build fun narratives, but you have to have the right group and you have to be telling the right kind of story and it has to be the right kind of secrets. So so use yeah. it use it yeah, appropriately. Meta trust is is very important with all of these things, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to have ever. I mean, in this game. That one is an open secret, but there are also hidden secrets that the other players don't know. Mm-hmm. So kind of depends on the secret, kind of depends on the players, kind of depends on just what fits for a thing. Yep. Uh, usually, in, in this case, it did, I mean, it was fine being an open secret because it doesn't really harm anything. Uh, we haven't had anyone who really cared. I could totally see that situation coming up, mm-hmm. but... Uh, for some of the characters who are playing, oh, I have criminal contacts. I have something really shady going on with characters that other players hate. Those aren't open. I know that some people have them. I don't know who. And that's totally fine. Because if it comes out in play, it comes out in play. If it doesn't, well, good on you, uh, you, you keeping it in the... Uh, keeping it in your hat and making it so we don't have to thank you. Uh, and I think one of the other reasons to, to shift gears slightly, I think one of the other reasons that it comes to my mind in terms of why you might want to have secrets in your game is because as we sort of implied in our introductions, like the reveal of secrets is super fun or it can be right. Um, it creates this, this fun, dramatic moment, this aha moment, um, this big reveal that everybody can sort of t- get a get a, a, a reaction from. Um, but that also brings up the point that Rabbit was just sort of alluding to. Like, the reveal of secrets is kind of the whole point of secrets in a narrative, you know? Um, if, if a novelist was writing a story wherein they explained that a character had uh, this really important, really foundational secret and it was never revealed to anybody ever then what was the point, right? Uh, uh, so so the reveal is part of the fun. If you're going to have secrets in your game, be ready to, to reveal those secrets and, and let them go places because that's kind of the point, unless somebody disagrees with me. No, I actually agree with you. That's part of one of my rules I have in my games is that if you're going to have a secret – you have to reveal it. Otherwise, that secret does not exist because mm. we won't be able to experience, we won't be able to engage with it, and we won't have that satisfaction of the reveal. So, 
So, so you have to lay down some of the clues. You have to engage with it and get it out there so people either can figure it out or you or you at least that once you made the reveal, people can go think about it and like, you know what? This makes sense what you did there mm -hmm. or, or did that. So, so I, I'm going to present a disagreement, but it actually agrees with everything else that everyone has said. <laughs> so it, it's, it's the idea of the false secret or the dormant secret or the unwritten secret. Sometimes in games, when I'm playing role-playing games, I have a big dissonance from a character that I'm trying to portray or a narrative that I'm pursuing. And it's very difficult for me to uh, take actions in the game that um, would be character actions. You know, I, I as a player, um, I'm not able to connect the way I would uh, in other games or scenarios or adventures. So I create a false secret that's not revealed to anyone. It's a secret just for me in order to get myself into a place. And, and part of the reasons it's not revealed is because it's very self-indulgent. It's kind of a device just to get myself into the position to engage with the game. So I'm like, look, I've just got to create a, this little fiction in my head that may or may not be true, but it's a secret to me in order to get myself uh, into the place I need to be in order to take the actions that move the games forward in order to engage with the mechanics. Um, but I call it the false secret because um, as it was just pointed out, if it's never revealed, it's not a secret. It's not even really part of the game and it doesn't right. exist. And so it's a fake secret, but that's the only time I might come up with something just for me uh, in order to uh, play a game that's a little too difficult. Yeah, that reminds me of a piece of advice I, I oftentimes think about from an old uh, Dragon magazine uh, back in the day where they were talking about when you're making NPCs, sort of how to bring them to life. And one of the things that – one of the pieces of advice in this article, and I don't remember what article it was or what, anything, um, but one of the pieces of advice I remember and has stuck with me is give every NPC a secret. And it may not have anything to do with anything. It may never come out, but it helps put you in this mindset that this is a person that has things going on other than just interacting with the PCs. And it helps sort of role play that character and, and flesh them out and make them feel more real to you, even if it never is revealed and never has anything to do with anything. Oh, the, you know, the merchants in love with the melt made down the street, whatever. That's the big secret. Um, but it helps make that character feel more real in your head when you're play role playing them as, as NPCs. And so um, that's that kind of secret I think you're talking about, Grant. So that totally makes sense to me, um, especially if it's for your own character. It's it's kind of a shortcut to a motivation, right? You know, in the old acting, what's my motivation sense? And I think that for NPCs, the give them a secret thing is is really give them a motivation that doesn't necessarily have to do with the things that the PCs care about, which I know that's a semantic hair splitting there, mm -hmm. but um, the secret or motivation that informs your actions that maybe it comes out, maybe it doesn't is a really cool thing and a really useful thing for engaging with the world. So, but it's not an so important yeah, secret to the narrative. If it doesn't come up, it's just helping yeah, and, you get and in that it's mindset. A reasonable, it's certainly a reasonable thing to not try to shove out there if it doesn't make sense to shove it out there. With the, well, does the secret matter if it never comes out? It's more setting secrets or plot secrets. 
And sometimes those can be, you know, long after the campaigns ended, oh, yeah, this was the real reason why these things were happening. You guys just never explored there. And that's also fine. It's just don't create a secret with the... Um, the whole campaign falls apart if the players ever find this thing out. Or there, there's... the that's it. That's the tweet syndrome. There's nothing more to it than, than that. Make sure that you've got enough depth that if they get the answer to the mystery or uncover the secret, there's a lot of other questions or there's somewhere else to go from it. Yeah. I mean, in terms of, uh, and I think we're, we're transitioning into sort of the last thing we'll talk about, which is advice on how to pull off secrets. Um, and, and I think that's what you're you're talking about a little bit here, right? Uh, and, and as a DM, if I'm if I'm keeping a setting secret or an NPC secret, one of my one of my go tos or or one of the things to think about is okay, if this secret is revealed, what new questions does it raise? Um, and if you can keep that cycle going right up until the end of the story arc or the end of the campaign, then then you've had a successful use of secrets, I think. Uh, not that it, not that it has to, because it's tough to do that sometimes. But um, that's a fun goal to have. What other uh, things that people should keep in mind, whether it's DMs or players or whatever? What are things that people should keep in mind if they want to pull off secrets in their games? Grant, go ahead. Yeah. I think something they should think about is if they're a dungeon master, whether or not it's a secret their players are invested in. Um, because I've had some experiences where dungeon masters have been very disappointed that they had a big reveal. We all just kind of looked around in a circle. Um, they hadn't laid the breadcrumbs, the clues, made any of the connections or sunk any of those uh, uh, story hooks in deep. So we didn't really feel anything when this secret was revealed. It was just kind of like, yeah, well, we're going to go loot that other thing over there. And they're just like, ah, no, why didn't it work? And part of that is because they hadn't uh, set any hooks for us to to really become invested over time. There were no stakes that we were aware of. He was like, well, there was campaign stakes. So it's like, yeah, but with organizations and factions we've never heard about. I mean, if the world blows up, it ain't our faults. We're just adventures. Um, so I think you need to think about whether or not your uh, players are invested yeah, and that actually connects, I think, fairly well to uh, I. I think DMs oftentimes hold their secrets and their mysteries a little too preciously, um, and they don't lay out the breadcrumb, or or they think they're laying out really, you know, a lot of little subtle breadcrumb crumbs. But w when it comes to to role playing games, more often than not, I recommend don't go too subtle. Always err on the side of of less subtle. Um, because you never know who's going to pick up what and if they're going to pick it up and, and what they're going to, you know, attach to or whatever. Um, so feel free to sort of beat the players over the heads a little bit, not too much, but a little bit with those breadcrumbs so that when you have the reveal, it does have an impact and they do realize why it's what, you know, that this has been, been hinted at all along, um, which feels counterintuitive, right? You want it to be a big mystery, but Role-playing games are not novels. They're not, you know, um, mini mini series on TV. Uh, so the way you lay these things out has to be a little bit different. Eric? Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, don't 
for secrets, don't hold them too close to your chest. And that applies to both DMs or players. If you want your secret at one point to be revealed for people to figure out, or you can do the ha-ha situation things, you have to leave some room for people to be able to, hey, get intrigued and what what are you doing there? And get interested into the situation. And if you keep it too, if you keep the secret too close to your chest, that just won't happen. Right. Going back to the inspiration for this episode, I think that was one of the interesting things about it is that the usually when we talk about secrets, it is is something that the DM holds, not and sometimes it's individual players. But by having this shared secret, them and a lot of them are are, are dark secret. They're uh, a lot of them are laid out that somebody else knows. And it's mm-hmm. a matter of time before it becomes more and more revealed, which kind of sets this clock in a way, or um, helps drive their characters' actions potentially if they if they want to keep it secret or not. Which I thought was kind of an interesting way of um, trying to deal with some of these things in terms of uh, keeping it too close, because like the player characters probably want to keep it kind of close, but they don't have complete control over that anyway. All right. And, and that brings up a good point. If people are, are working on running uh, Descent uh, to Avernus, um, I think it's worth keeping in mind as, as DMs, like, you have this dark secret to, to lean on. Do it. Like, don't forget that that dark secret is there. Make it, make it you know, it's not always obvious um, how or when or where those are going to come into play. But the NPC who probably knows their dark secret um, should make an appearance, and that dark secret should come into play with how they interact, regardless of what you know is scripted in that section of the book. Right, um, and it's not something like I, I haven't read the whole adventure yet because we're going to do the review later, um, and I wanted to prepare more for this episode. But one of the other things about it is that this concept can help with replayability through the same storyline. Like, obviously you don't want the exact, you don't want a railroad adventure that tells you exactly what you do every time. Um, But having the, because you can have a different uh, group secret every time you play this, or you can even do it in other adventures. Um, And that might be useful for someone who, you know, they want to, they want their, child or significant other or someone to experience the same story that they had previously but want a little interest in it so they don't get bored it might be also a way to approach that absolutely and i think one of the things that one of the suggestions i would make on how to pull these things off that we've talked about by and large whether you're going to have an open secret or not um the dm should be in the loop um i've had players who have secrets for their characters and their secrets to the dm as well and then they have this big reveal moment and it it doesn't play well with the story that the dm was trying to lay out um so let the dm know what your secret is but let them know that it's a secret i guess would be one of the things i would suggest for players but at the same time on the flip side of that as a dm use those secrets don't necessarily just like you know, be aware of what the player's story that they're trying to tell is and don't ruin that story for them. But use those secrets, leverage those secrets and create moments in your stories um, to make those secrets matter. 
nobody should, no character should have a secret that then doesn't get revealed at some point uh, or play into the storyline at some point. That's part of that spotlight moment that that character was trying to create when they created a secret for their character. So make that secret matter. If the player's gone through the trouble of creating the secret, they probably care about it. So investing in that is generally going to have rewards. But um, Tracy was talking about um, reading the Descent into Avernus adventure, and that got me thinking as a sideline about when I was first playing, the meta secret game was strong enough that my dad, wouldn't, who was running, wouldn't let us read any of the books. Could not read the DMG, couldn't read any of the adventures because those were supposed to be secrets. It was like uh, no spoilers on steroids. And I know that there are some DMs who don't like players to read adventures in advance, but so much of the content in 5th edition is in the adventures. Almost everything does. Although an adventure is one thing, not reading the DMG. Like, what secret's going to be spoiled if you don't read the DMG? If you read the DMG, I don't know. Oh, it, it was the 80s. Well, and I suppose there's meta, like, secrets about the planes and whatever that come out there, but... Yeah. Some of it was keeping an air of mystery around the entire thing. Um, sorry, Tracy. I was going to say, a little bit of that with particularly the monsters no, not knowing what the special attack is or that they happen to be immune to magic because, oh. you know, that's great to just discover <laughs> in the middle mm-hmm. of the fight. Yeah. <laughs> I can give an excellent example of not reading the DMG. So uh, it was the first big Dungeons and Dragons campaign that I ever ran, and we were celebrating our year anniversary. Lo and behold, we introduced, stupidly, the deck of many things. Dun, dun, dun. And it's going to show up. Yeah. And so one of the players... Oh, we're drawing from the deck and one of those players starts, he's reading his dungeon master's guide. And before he draws from the deck, I take off all my magic items and I take off mm-hmm. all my stuff. And I do that. He started metagaming. So going right along with Tracy, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, that really wasn't fair because not every other player at the table had access to a DMG. None of them should be reading the card descriptions. Right. Um, yeah. It, it's one of those things. Uh, all the other players had taken, really bad hits and some of them had some really cool things happen and it, it actually worked out best for the campaign, but it was really kind of, you know, the people that are like, look, my character got sucked away into a portal and is being guarded by a demon. And then you, you metagame the whole thing. Kind right. of spoiled the fun. Right. Yep. That's the good point. So the general, the general advice there would be, especially if you're running published adventures, um, having the players have secrets that they care about, as Tracy was indicating, is a really good way to make sure that even if they've read the adventure and they kind of know the overall plot, they have something else to hook onto mm-hmm. that can give can make things mean different things or have a different impact um, than uh, than just what's on the page. Uh, otherwise, you're playing a JRPG video game kind of deal. But also, uh, you know, don't metagame. If you've spoiled yourself and you think that nothing in there can be a secret, find some way to get interest for you. But don't don't go to the other extreme and try to prevent your players from finding out anything about it or it will ruin the surprise and ruin the mystery. It can be okay, even if everybody has the... Uh, 
uh, some of the information. Just, yeah. You know, no, and, and I, yeah, try to work together. that's one of the things that, that always, um, that I think about sometimes because I use, uh, D and D beyond and we, you know, I, I have all the books and I share them with my campaign. So my players have access to all the different things that are in the books. And then that sometimes I wonder like, yeah, but that means they can also just like look up the adventures and see what's going on or look up the stat blocks for the big fight or whatever. And, um, it hasn't happened much with my current group and it never really happened like at the time with my previous group. But every now and then I would have a player who was like, oh, we, I, after, the, after we were done with that big Orcas fight, I looked up his stat block and man, we got lucky on this, that and whatever. I'm like, yeah, well, don't do that. Like, that's not fun for me. <laughs> you know? So there are, those are secrets that I suppose the DM sometimes likes to keep. Um, but that's almost a whole different kind of secret, right? We're almost veering into a different category of, of secret because it's not narrative based. The, the meta secret. Yeah, the, uh, how How much about a, a campaign or a world is it okay to know uh, without it becoming trite? Right. But yeah, that's a whole other... That's, that's a whole other... That's a different thing, yeah. So we're, we're a good hour or so in. I want to give people sort of a chance to, to share last thoughts. What other tips or tricks for pulling off secrets in games have we not talked about that, that people want to mention? Eric, why don't you go first? Secrets are not just limited because we seem to be mostly talking about having a secret over a campaign over several sessions, but you can still have it in a, a con game or a one-shot where you just had to be very focused. I've run for Over the Edge several times, and part of the mechanic of Over the Edge, there's each character has a secret. My favorite style is actually a, a family vacation going to the island, which is... But each, of, each character is usually, when I create them, have a secret, and what I do is I tie the secret to... Uh, to a plot that they can engage with in within within this within the on the island like one like remember i ran i had three players it, they played the two parents and their, the son and each of them their secret was their like the two parents were having an affair with someone on the island and uh, the uh, the son wa- was interested he was communicating with a friend on the island it wound up at the end being revealed that basically the person they were involved in, they were a succubus and whoever they were, they were appearing as whatever the person is interested in. So they had, when they were at the nightclub at the end, there was a silly scene where people were seen like the, the son was seeing a teenage girl dancing with his mom because that's what he, that's what his character was seeing. But his mom was seeing what she was attracted to, so he was creating these interesting scenes. But, but yes, you can create storylines within a one shot and be able to finish up and have that secret reveal. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I think I think typically we've been focusing on longer term secrets because if you've got a a campaign and you've got you know months or years to fill in a campaign. Um, you don't want to have to make up a, a whole new shocking secret every week. It starts to lose its impact, right? So, uh, but if you're going to, doing a short-term story or a one-shot, then then absolutely, I think secrets are still completely just as valid. Uh, just get to that reveal faster. Any other uh, last thoughts 
uh, or tips on how to pull off secrets? Sure. Um, first of all, yay over the edge. <laughs> I, I'm also a huge over the edge fan. I got to run a bunch of it at Gen Con and it was a blast. Um, uh, I think my main one is engage. Um, if you're a GM um, and you want to have a high role play, very rich campaign with your players, encourage them all to have secrets care about them, encourage them, um, you know, support them, try to have them come up, talk to your players a lot about them. If you're a player and you want to have a cool secret, um, try to engage with other players' secrets or show interest in them, you know, be nosy. Uh, there are, of course, times when, no, people definitely don't want you to do that. But a lot of times, hey, they want you to care about their history and them. Um, uh, if you have one, well, generally, yes, the DM should know about it too. Uh, take one character in your party aside and say, hey, I have the secret. I'm going to tell you and not any of the other party members. Or, and um, see how that changes your role play. Um, and then try to bring more of them in over the course of the game if it's a longer uh, longer kind of campaign. But uh, I find that when everyone is interested in everyone else's character and uh, especially the you know dark and hidden things they care about, it's way more interesting. To, to follow up on that, uh, if you're telling someone else one of your secrets, one of your players... Doesn't have to be in character. You can also, if you're not too sure how your character would reveal it, you and you want to talk to another player. Say, here I have this secret about her. How can we play out to find out it and make a scene about the reveal? And then you can work together with the other player to be able to get to that reveal of how it gets shown thrown up if you're having difficulties so yeah really like that grant you had a last thought yes once the secret is revealed and this information comes out into the world be conscientious about the player decisions and how they use their agency with the information that they just revealed and you can have very exciting uh narrative directional shifts or uh far drives towards a specific narrative goal by empowering the players to use their agency once they reveal uh, once they receive this secret information. Excellent. Uh, Tracy, did you have a, a last thought? Um, I used to watch a lot of Whose Line Is It Anyway? And they had two secret games. There's probably more than that, but two that I, I definitely remember. Um, one of them was, I think, uh, each person was put like on their forehead something about them that other people were supposed to react to so that they could then guess what was on their forehead. Um, and then the other one was somebody would greet um, a dinner party as they were coming in. And each one of them had something that they were uh, role-playing towards that uh, the, the host hat would have to guess about like, Oh, you are this guest. Um, and the reason I bring that up is that sometimes I think people get 
we we were talking a lot of like all these big reveals and star moments and not everyone always feels comfortable doing them so those are two ways of maybe practicing it out and you can even do it in character with your characters if you want it um kind of similar to the wedding and acquisitions inc uh and that might be a way to uh broaden your horizons mm-hmm. and have Ab- fun absolutely Well, those are some really great ideas, and I hope people uh, listen to this and get all kinds of inspiration, not just for how to utilize the dark secret uh, idea in their descent into Avernus games, but also how to incorporate secrets in general into your games, whether you're a DM or a player. Uh, But I'm going to go ahead and call that the end of this episode. Uh, We'd like to say thank you to our sponsor, SchoolSplitterDice.com, as well as our guests. Grant, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at WisePapaGrant. Hit me up. And uh, also on Tuesdays and Thursdays on Twitch, on WebDM's Twitch channel. Awesome. Uh, Rabbit? Uh, Generally on Twitter, uh, Cadillac, C-A-U-D-E-L-A-C. That's largely where I am these days. And my extremely painfully neglected blog, uh, deckofmanythings.blogspot.com. Awesome. And Eric? You can find me mostly on Twitter at Eric Mpac, E-R-I-C-M-P-A-Q. Awesome. And we'd also like to say thanks to all of you for supporting the show by shopping from our affiliate links when you use Amazon or DMs Guild or being a patron over of the show over at patreon.com slash the Tome Show. Uh, you can join us over at Patreon uh, and have fun with folks like Jill Sanders, Jeremiah McCoy, and Doug Palmer, the greatest supporters ever in the history of supporters. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email thetomeshow at gmail.com. You can uh, tweet Tracy. She is at Sarah Dark Magic. You can tweet me. I am at Squatch, S-Q-U-A-C-H. You can tweet the show. It is at The Tome Show. And that's episode 327, where we didn't reveal anything. Nothing at all. Shh. Move along. In this episode of... The Tome. 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 I'm on the wall.